Hey guys, so while I had a minute, I just wanted to record a dark episode. Tom Scavetta here bringing you the dark edition of Review and Preview. This is our second dark episode ever. As you folks know, we did not have a show last Friday night, July 12th. We return just a little under 48 hours from now, this Friday, July 19th, 8 to 10 p.m. on liuwave.org. But for now, just wanted to update you on what's going on across the MLB and the NBA uh, let's start with baseball. Congrats to the big polar bear, Pistol Pete of the New York Mets. Pete Alonzo, 24-year-old rookie, winning the home run derby. Incredible. Hitting 50-plus home runs in the derby. That was the third most ever. Yet he hit 34 less than the runner-up, Vlad Guerrero, which um, partially due to the quadruple overtime with Jock Peterson of the Los Angeles Dodgers. The night for Pete started out great. He beat out the hometown hero, Carlos Santana, um, and then he went on. He advanced in the semis, and then he beat Vlad in the finals. And it was great to see for all Mets fans. And it was great to see a lot of rookies in this home run derby. Vlad, Jock, Pete, they were all, all the competitors are really crushing those balls. Um, we know his, his cousin was throwing him the ball so you know there was a little bit controversy on that if he would have caught if Pete would have hit more home runs if he had a different thrower but overall good job by Pete and his cousin Um, now moving on to the all-star game a little disappointed but Pete again two RBIs off a two-run single I believe that was in the eighth inning or he was either the sixth or the eighth inning I think it was the eighth inning because Blackman hit the home run in the sixth but it was just great to see. I mean, you saw a lot of new faces in the All-Star game. Joey Gallo hitting a home run in the seventh. It was great. It was great to see Ryu start against Verlander. Um, a season where we've seen a lot of strikeouts, but we've seen a record-setting amount of home runs. And it's just great to see a lot of players from the Minnesota Twins getting in there. I know Crone was hurt, but he was selected. Hunter Pence. I mean, those guys. It's just been a great season for baseball. Now, with the NBA, as far as that's concerned, um, the draft, of course, long gone. Summer League went, you know, there, there was some beef between the whole Grayson Allen ejection when he slashed Grant Williams of the Celtics going up on that foul. But, uh, I mean, my opinion on it, Grayson, that's how he plays. And there's a level that's acceptable in the NBA. Did Grayson go too far there? I mean, it happened about twice within a minute or two of each other because he uh, collided with Williams a couple of minutes prior. But I'm not sure if that earned an ejection. Maybe it was the right call for the safety of the players, but I'm a big Grayson Allen guy. I always liked him. I know a lot of people view him as the villain. Uh, I don't think it was handled properly, that situation. But Memphis Grizzlies win the Summer League. It, you know, It was great to see. It was really great to see um, Clark win the MVP, uh, not just of the Summer League, but of the final game against the Minnesota Timberwolves, which I was very impressed with Minnesota, how far they came. Uh, You know, Mitch Creek, one of the star players on that team. But shout out to uh, Brandon Clark, Grayson Allen, and those Memphis Grizzlies winning the 2019 NBA Summer League. And, you know, they're a very underrated team going into the season now. We know they're not going to make the playoffs, but you have a star rookie point guard in John Morant, who, by the way, did not even play in the Summer League. So I'm intrigued to see what Memphis could have done with him if we would have seen the same result. But I think adding Grayson Allen onto the roster last minute, again, not to harp on Grayson, but kid out of Jacksonville, New York. You know, I have family down in Florida, so 
You know, it's great to see a kid from a familiar environment come up and do good things. Now, as far as free agency and trades are concerned, big powerhouse week or powerhouse offseason, I should say, in the NBA. It might be the biggest one ever. Uh, you know, we saw it started out with KD and Kyrie signing with Brooklyn. The Knicks settling for Julius Randle and a couple other vets. Uh, Boston getting Kemba Walker. The Sixers locking up Tobias Harris and Ben Simmons recently this past week and going out to get Al Horford, but losing Jimmy Butler and J.J. Redick in the meantime, getting a trade for Josh Richardson. Toronto, fairly quiet despite losing Kawhi Leonard and Danny Green. They went out, they re-signed Marcus All. You know, the core is coming back with Siakam, Lowry, Van Vliet. Uh, they went out and they signed EuroLeague star Matt Thomas, 2017 graduate of Iowa State. And they went out and signed a good slasher role player, former Brooklyn Net, Rondé Hollis-Jefferson. Will Toronto make it back to the finals? Most likely not. I think the East this year is a race between Milwaukee and Philly with, you know, Boston, Indiana, and Toronto. I mean, those are your top five in no particular. I think Milwaukee is the clear number one team. Uh, even though they lost Brogdon and Miritich, Brogdon did not play a lot last year, and Milwaukee was very successful without him. Now they're going to miss his three-point shooting. I think the loss of Miritich will hurt them more because you lost two lethal three-point shooters. But you re-signed George Hill. You locked up Middleton and Lopez, which realistically you were not going to be able to keep all three of these guys, Middleton, Brogdon, and Lopez. And they did. They brought in Brooke Lopez's younger brother, Robin. Pat Connaughton is coming back. Of course, you have the Greek freak, the reigning 2019 NBA MVP. Eric Bledsoe, savvy vet. Like I said, locking up George Hill, Ersan Ilyasova coming back, DiVincenzo coming off his rookie season. Of course, you got DJ Wilson and Bonzi Coulson, who really ripped it up in the summer league. It was very impressed with Milwaukee and their performance. A couple of Notre Dame alums that Pat Connaughton worked out with, Matty Farrell and Bonzi Coulson, we played with in college. But I'm really intrigued to see what's going to go on in the East this season. Of course, with the West with free agency. Kawhi Leonard signing four-year $141 million contract with the Clippers. Pretty sure he can opt out after three, but I mean, this is just insane because now they also traded for Paul George with the Thunder. Uh, So, and that they um, sent over Danilo Gallinari and uh, Gilgis Alexander, a couple of draft picks. And then that really locks up their team. They re-signed Beverly. Zubak is back. They have returning core players in Montres Harrell and, Ru- and Lou Williams. I know Avery Bradley's not coming back, and neither is Alexander and Gallo, but you still bring a big core and you add two lockdown elite defensive players in Leonard and George. And right now, I mean, you're looking at this lineup, Beverly, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard. That's a fantastic trio right there. I know Beverly's not really known for scoring, but to add Zubak, Montres Harrell, Montres Harrell's probably going to start. I love him. Lou Williams scoring 20 points a game for you off the bench. How could you not love that? Well, look what the Lakers have done. Now, they missed out on Kawhi, but they bring in Anthony Davis via a trade with the New Orleans Pelicans. Despite losing Ball, Ingram, Clark, Hart, pardon me, um, the Lakers did a lot. You know, they re-signed JaVale McGee and Rajon Rondo. They brought in Danny Green from the NBA champion Toronto Raptors. Not to mention NBA championship experience with the Spurs prior. So now you got a two-time finals winner to add to LeBron and AD. 
DeMarcus Cousins, Avery Bradley, Tavius Caldwell Pope is back. They already signed the, I think, under the radar signing Alex Caruso. I mean, he's not going to get much minutes, but maybe in a backup point guard. I know LeBron is so called the point guard, and of course, Kuzma. So it's really interesting to see what the Lakers will do with that lineup, who they'll uh, mix and match. You know, they have Jared Dudley, they brought in from Brooklyn. If I had to guess a starting five right now, LeBron at the point, but I don't know how permanent that's going to be. They'll probably mix and match lineups. LeBron, Danny Green, uh, Caldwell Pope, Kuzma, and AD. But AD and Boogie did play together in that front court in New Orleans. So if you really want to get fancy with it, you play big and slide Kuzma down to the three, and then the Twin Towers with Boogie and AD. Uh, that's an easy four-seed at worst in the West if that all glues well together, barring an injury. Uh, Portland, Hassan Whiteside being brought in, Mario Hazonia, Anthony Tolliver, a couple of veteran free agents. I really like what they've done despite nobody. Of course, everybody knew Seth Curry was not coming back. They weren't signing him for $8 million a year. And you already drafted Enerfee Simons from last year who ripped it up in the Summer League for Portland, 20, the 2018 Summer League champions. You lost Jake Lehman, Myers Leonard, Al Farouk, Amidu, Mo Harkless. You know, you lost a lot of role players. There's a lot of good defenders and Evan Turner as well. But you re-signed Rodney Hood. You keep the core with Damon CJ intact. Nurkic will be back shortly after Christmas if all goes well. I mean, you're looking at a starting lineup right now with Dame and CJ, probably Rodney Hood at the three, maybe mix and match with Kent Bazemore, but most likely Hood. Zach Collins now is your starting four, which is an upgrade over Aminu. Collins is a good defender, and he's an, he's an even better scorer. He'll eat up double-doubles throughout the season, and Whiteside fills the void until Nurkic comes back. Then when Nurkic comes back, you can slowly bring him in off the bench, get him minutes, and then make him, you know, I think it's a good signing for Portland, and I think realistically, Portland might be the front runners for the one seed. Despite all these signings, they've been together the longest out of all these teams. I mean, we'll see. Denver, they got better. Uh, I know they got Jeremy Grant from the Thunder. That was really their only move. They'll get Michael Porter Jr. Hopefully this season. We'll see how that works out for them. Nikola Jokic was a stud last year, and then of course. The Utah Jazz going out, getting Boyan Bogdanovich and Mike Conley. Huge upgrade over Ricky Rubio and Derek Favors. So now Utah will go a little bit smaller. Their starting lineup, you'll probably see Conley and Donovan Mitchell. The small front court. Um, and then Joe Ingles, of course, with Boyan Bogdanovich. Joe Ingles will probably play the four because Ingles could defend stretch fours. And this new NBA, Ingles can be a three. That's his natural position, but he can uh, you know, tweak out to a stretch four at times. And then, of course, the big man, Rudy Gobert, uh, two-time NBA defensive player. I mean, he's fantastic. He's the best defender in the NBA. And then you got Golden State, no Clay, but D'Angelo Russell, and Clay could possibly come back around playoff time. We'll see. Kevon Looney is back. Draymond Green. I mean, you know, it's really interesting to see what the West does, but then it all pans out with Russell Westbrook getting traded from the Thunder to the Houston Rockets in exchange for a bunch of draft picks and Chris Paul. So, I mean, I think the Thunder won that trade because they're not going to be good for a couple of years, but they have so many good draft picks for the future. As now with Houston, I don't really think they got better. I viewed Chris Paul as more of a leader, a vocal player who passes the ball a lot more, plays defense. Russell Westbrook's fantastic. He's going to put with James Harden in that backcourt. 
I know they played together with OKC in three years to kickstart their careers. So they came into the league the same year. But is it really going to work out long term? Hopefully these role players like Clint Capella, Gerald Green, P.J. Tucker, Eric Gordon can also chip in as well. That's the West. That's the East. I mean, that's my. those are pretty much my thoughts on the NBA. Um, I really like what the Bulls are doing. They're getting younger. Zach Levine and Kobe White in that backcourt. And, of course, Lori Markkinen and Wendell Carter Jr. out of Duke. I think it's a team that's on the rise. And, they, of course, they have Otto Porter, a former wizard. They went out. They re-signed Ryan Diarcano, uh, three-year, $9 million. I mean, you have him for a long time now, and he doesn't cost you much. He's cheap. He's a good role player. Thomas Sadaransky, who might be the starting point guard to start the season, depending on how Kobe White turns out. He's a big guard. At worst, he'll be, a volatile, he'll be an excellent third guard that can come off the bench for you. And, of course, Cleveland in the backcourt with Garland and Sex. I mean, it's interesting. We'll find out more this Friday night in Review and Preview, but pretty much that's what I wanted to catch up with you guys on the past two weeks uh, that we haven't had a show. And, you know, I'm really excited for the NFL this year. A lot of people are counting out the Giants, but I think the Giants are on the rise, actually. Ever since the Odell trade, things have kind of panned out their way. They've signed the role players they needed to. The defense has improved. The secondary is a lot better. I'm still a little bit concerned about the pass rush and the offensive line. Those are my two biggest concerns. And the quarterback situation, you know, you can say what you want. Eli's still the guy for now. If Jones plays this year, it's because they'll be out of contention at some point. But if they make a run for the playoffs, you might not see Daniel Jones. I mean, Eli's never missed a game in his career, despite the one hiccup that McAdoo did that one week back in 2017. But I think Eli's the guy. I mean, Sterling Shepard and Golden Tate and Evan Ingram, they like being around Manning. Of course, Saquon Barkley, Cody Latimer, Corey Coleman. That's a good amount of, that's a big rapport of weapons. I mean, you build a strong rapport with those weapons offensively. That has potential playoffs written on it. With an improved offensive line, a top five guard combo and Will Hernandez and Kevin Zeitler. A former All-Pro left tackle and Nate Solder. You go out and sign Mike Remmers, who's had a couple of deep playoff runs with the Vikings, a big guy at 6'5". It's an upgrade over Chad Wheeler, if you ask me. He's a veteran. But, of course, he's a question mark because of his back surgery. And then you look at what the Jets have done this offseason. I'm really intrigued to see how they'll pan out because right now the Jets are kind of in a funky zone. I mean, they're better, but New England is still the dogs of that division. I mean, they're better than Buffalo and Miami, the Jets. Miami will probably have the number one overall pick in this next year's draft. But the Jets, the only reason why people are talking about them possibly sneaking into a wild card this year is because their division is so bad. And they're pretty much a guaranteed four wins against those other two teams. I don't think so. I really don't think so. They have a shot at splitting with New England. Is it likely? No. Historically, they're not good against New England in the regular season. They're always close games, typically. But in comparison to the Jets and the Giants, I'm actually going to, not because you know I'm a little more biased towards the Giants, but the Giants realistically have a better shot at making the playoffs than the Jets because their schedule is much easier, and there are so many question marks in their division between Dallas, Washington with no Alex Smith, Philadelphia with Carson Wentz, that's just me. 
the Jets, you know, the AFC is not as good as the NFC nowadays. But, I mean, you still got New England. You still got the Chargers, the Chiefs with Pat Mahomes, Pittsburgh, Baltimore. Now you got Cleveland in the mix. Basically, the whole AFC North minus Cincinnati. You know? And then the Colts. Can't forget about the Colts. And then Jacksonville. Just out of nowhere, they were terrible this year. But two years ago, they were a few minutes away from going to the Super Bowl. And now they have a new quarterback in Nick Foles, a change of culture a little bit. You never know. So that's it from now. I'm Tom Scavetta. We'll be back Friday night. Thank you for tuning in to our dark episode of Review and Preview, and we will talk to you soon.